All right, open your Bibles up to Titus chapter 3. We're going to cover the last three verses today and finish up the letter. Um, on, it's on page 1059 if you have one of our Bibles from the welcome table. Um, and, and again, we're going to see, just as the letter opened with a picture of what the gospel is capable of, and we've seen all throughout the letter what, what the gospel is capable of, uh, we're, we're going to close the letter today with a picture of what the gospel is capable of. So far, we've seen the gospel played out in the greeting of the letter, how, how Paul, a Jew, uh, can greet Titus, a, a, a Greek, a Gentile, in the Lord and, and call him my true son in our common faith. That's evidence of God's grace and reconciling them both to God and to each other. We've seen the gospel in the appointment of elders in the churches who lead God's church in the knowledge of Christ, in, in, uh, in living out their faith together and guarding the church against uh, false teachers and false teaching. We've seen the gospel in the disciple-making culture of the church. Everyone is involved, uh, men, women, young, old, discipling one another in the truth of Jesus Christ. We've seen the gospel in the good works of the believers in those churches, how, how works and gospel fit together, how, how uh, the gospel that, that is alive in us produces grace-filled works uh, out of us and so that people can see uh, not that we are working to earn something, but that we've been given everything, just like we sang this morning. Today we're going to see the gospel in, in churches partnering together for multiplication, Okay. Uh, and so I want to read these last three verses and uh, ask the Lord to open our eyes to see wonderful things in his law, as Psalm 119.18 says, and then we will dig into the message. So here's what it says, Titus 3, verses 12 through 15. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, because I have decided to spend the winter there diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. Would you pray with me, Lord? We're thankful for your word and we're thankful that there is nothing trivial in it and that even in the closing of a letter, we can see your grace in the partnership of the advancement of the gospel among believers who've been transformed and continue to be transformed by Christ through your spirit with your church. So we pray that you would give us a, a vision uh, for partnership in the gospel here in this community and around us with those churches who hold true to Jesus Christ for your glory and our good. We pray this in your name. Amen. Francis Schaeffer uh, was a 20th century pastor, author, uh, theologian. He once described the church as a community which the world could see. And then he went on to say, by the grace of God, therefore, the church must be known simultaneously for its purity of doctrine and the reality of its community. Our churches have so often been only preaching points with very little emphasis on community. He continues, but ex exhibition of the love of God in practice is beautiful and must be there. I believe very strongly in the principle and practice of the purity of the visible church, but I've seen churches that have fought for purity and are mere merely hotbeds of ugliness. 
No longer is there any observable, loving, personal relationship, even in their own midst, let alone with other true Christians. We cannot expect the world to believe that the Father sent the Son, that Jesus' claims are true, and that Christianity is true, unless the world sees some reality of the oneness of true Christians. Schaefer said these things about the church in the 20th century, but, but it echoes and rings true even now, doesn't it? Especially in modern-day evangelicalism, it seems that not much has changed in the last several decades. In fact, many of the hotbeds of ugliness, as he calls them today, are the very churches that fight so hard to maintain the purity of doctrine in the church but fail to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You know how it finishes? If you love one another, right? In other words, an unbelieving world needs to see a particular kind of love among Christians, among Christ followers that's found nowhere else. They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another, It's not enough for us to simply tell others what Jesus taught. We need to show how Christ's teachings transform his people and enable us to to love each other as he has loved us. When we disconnect our proclamation of the gospel from our practice of it, we make really poor witnesses for Christ to unbelievers. God's word reveals the gospel. God's church demonstrates it. And that should be true not only within each individual local body of Christ, but also between the local bodies of Christ. Now, what I'm not saying, and I want to make sure this is clear, is that we need to be willing to compromise the gospel in any way for the sake of unity with other churches. Not every church truly preaches Christ, and there can be no true unity without Christ. Jesus makes this clear in his gospel, and all the gospels make it clear. Paul makes it clear in a lot of his letters. But here's what I am saying. We ought to be willing to display the gospel in every way possible with other Christ-centered churches. And so here's our, our main idea for the message today. As God's visible church, the church that the world sees In our case, the church that the community sees, we should be known more for our eagerness to partner in the gospel with others than to keep the gospel to ourselves. The best way to promote the purity of the gospel is to multiply it, is to multiply the true gospel in partnership with those who believe it. Last week, we saw the the dangers of a divisive church community. This week, we're going to see the beauty of a united church community, particularly through the grace-empowered partnership between churches to expand the gospel witness and plant more gospel churches. So we're going to talk first about supporting one another with relief and relationship. Look at verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I've decided to spend the winter there. Now, I know this will be a shocker, but they didn't have cell phones back then or email or text or social media. They couldn't, like, do you remember the days when you had, like, the the phone was attached to the wall and you could only go, like, 30 feet if you had the real big cord, right? But then you had to leave it, and if you left somewhere, you're just gone, 
right? Nobody knows where you're at or what you're doing other than what you've told them and, or left them in the note. So when you write the note, you leave all the information, right? This is what Paul is doing. He's sending this letter. It's going to take days to get there to Titus. He's probably already moving on and doing other things, and so he's like giving him the, the things, right? Here's just all the things at the end of the letter. He's taking advantage of the opportunity of communication. Titus had been on the, the island of, of Crete for some time, setting right what was left undone, right? Titus 1.5, and appointing elders in every church and every town, and, and his ministry there was drawing to a close. Not because he was finished, but because it was time for him to leave. Paul didn't expect Titus to stay on the island of Crete permanently. While, while his role was pastoral in nature, and we often call these the pastoral letters, and we, we call uh, Titus and Timothy pastors, right? Titus, in particular, came to Crete as a representative of the apostolic ministry of Paul. And so he was there, that apostolic ministry centered around traveling from place to place, establishing and, and, and strengthening churches with the gospel, but it was, it was in, in uh, temporary time frames so that they could keep going. Now, while the overall biblical picture of the church is a community of believers who stay and grow together over the long haul of life, it's also clear that God calls and equips particular people to minister in certain places for a certain period of time and then continue on. Paul plans on sending Artemis or Tychicus, apparently he hasn't decided yet, to relieve Titus. Artemis is only mentioned here in the New Testament. Paul mentions Tychicus in some of his other letters, and he calls him a dearly loved brother and a faithful minister, faithful servant in the Lord. So it's safe for us to assume that Paul considers both of these men to be partners in the gospel and fully capable of picking up the ministry where Titus leaves it. It's important for us to see that. And until one of these men comes to relieve Titus, what's Titus going to do? He's going to keep doing the work that Paul's laid out for him in the letter here the work that he's already told Titus about before he even sent the letter. Establish elders in every church. Teach them how to teach sound doctrine and guard the churches against false teaching. Help them train the churches and the people in them how to disciple one another and devote themselves to good works. That's more work than Titus is able to complete on his own. And that's why Paul's sending someone to carry the work in Titus's place. This is a great picture of what gospel partnership looks like, right? It's relationships and it's, it's relief sometimes. Sharing the load together so that gospel ministry continues on. There's no gap in it then. Paul isn't just sending someone to relieve Titus. He also says, Titus, you got to come to me. When they, when they, send, when they, when they come to replace you, whoever it's going to be, then I want you to make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because that's where I'm going to spend the winter. Why would he have him do that? Well, remember when Paul said, the reason I left you on Crete? They shared in that ministry together. They have a relationship. He calls him my true son in the, our common faith. Paul wants to hear probably about what, what's going on since he left Crete. He wants to be caught up, the ministry update, if you will. But at the same time, this is his true son in his common faith. He hasn't seen him for a long time. Can't just pick up the phone and call him, right? He wants to spend time with this brother in the Lord and be encouraged by him. Gospel partnership is not simply about doing ministry together. 
It's also about growing in our fellowship with one another as we share in that ministry alongside each other. It's practicing what we're preaching. Wherever, whatever gospel ministry God has given to you to do, I hope you see that it's in the context of the church, first of all. But I also hope you see, and, and, it, and it's good to remember for each of us, that God has not given it to us to do alone or forever. Lord willing, I will not be the only pastor to stand up here and preach the gospel to you as your pastor. I hope that this church far outlives me. Gospel ministry needs to be shared by all of us because it'll outlast any of us. And God has given it to us as a means of building our love for one another. It has dual purposes to reach the lost and encourage each other as fellow believers. Again, this speaks to the value of church membership. I know I keep plugging this, but I want you to see the biblical picture here. Think about the encouragement that you get from knowing that you have brothers and sisters in Christ who have covenanted together with you to partner in gospel ministry side by side with you for the long haul. To know that, that, that when you're tired, that, that you have a family to be there next to you and remind you of the mission, remind you of the gospel, to relieve you, and to keep going with you in relationship. And so if you're not a remember, uh, uh, a remember if you're not a member of Redeemer yet, then, then let's talk. And we'll get another class together. We'll, we'll do what we need to do. I've also personally been encouraged and helped greatly by brothers from other churches who have come and preached here at Redeemer, not only because we've, we all have heard the same gospel from different mouths. We need that. But also because these brothers have spurred me on as we get together and we talk about what they're going to preach on and, and hear how God is revealing his word to them through that. And, and they spur me on in the work of ministry that God has given me to do here. Again, I just said it, Lord willing, my plan is to, to be here long haul, to minister to, to you and your kids and your kids' kids. I have, no, I, I have I got nothing else. So it's, it's in the Lord's hands. But we know that's more work than I can do alone. And that's another reason that for prioritizing the appointment of, of more elders here. And raising up new leaders that can take my place when, when the time comes. But having dearly loved brothers and faithful servants in the Lord come and share this pulpit with me has enabled me not only to have moments of rest, but also to focus on other aspects of ministry at Redeemer that need attention, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Luke Holderby will be back here to preach on July 25th, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. I hope you are too. As a church plant, not only do we have the joy of receiving help, and man, have we received help. Not only do we have the joy of being encouraged by other churches, but we also have the joy of looking for ways that we can help and encourage other churches. Look at verse 13. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. 
Now, like Artemis, Zenos is only mentioned here uh, in the New Testament, nowhere else. But again, we can assume that he's another one of Paul's co-laborers in the gospel. Apollos, you probably recognize, he's the, the Apollos from Alexandria. He's the same Apollos who ministered in Ephesus and Corinth and was known for his eloquent speech. He's another partner in the ministry. Paul had a lot of them, a lot of them. Read Romans 16. It's just a, a litany of people who he considers co-laborers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, it's possible that Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos had also been on the island of Crete at the time with Titus, ministering alongside him. It's probably more probable uh, that they were the ones who delivered Paul's letter to him. Either way, Paul now urges Titus and the churches on the island of Crete to send Zenos and Apollos off on their next ministry adventure fully supplied. That phrase, diligently help, it gives this impression of being eager to supply anything that they might lack. Not waiting for them to ask, but, but knowing what they need and, and giving freely. Paul wants them to jump at the chance to give resources away in order to help Zenos and Apollos carry out their gospel mission in other places. Throughout the process of planting Redeemer, we've been recipients of such eagerness from many different churches. Cross Point Community Church in Eureka, Community Bible Fellowship in El Paso, Christ Community Church in Gridley. We, we prayed this morning thanking God for their partnership. These are the three main churches that partnered together and diligently helped us and continue to diligently help us by sending people and finances and other resources so that we lacked nothing we needed in order to plant this church here in Minunk. And on top of that, We've been supplied by other churches like Flanagan Community, Eureka Bible, Heartland Church in Normal. You're sitting in the chairs from Heartland. Grace Fellowship in El Paso, Living Faith Fellowship in Eureka, and others I'm sure that I'm forgetting. These are the ones that came to mind as I was thinking about this. The, the thing I love most about these churches is that they all come from a number of different backgrounds, and most of them aren't actually officially affiliated with each other in any way. And yet they're all gospel-centered churches that believe in the gospel mission, and they're all eager to partner with us. We have yet, listen, we have yet to have a need here that God hasn't graciously and generously met through the partnership of other churches and individual believers. Not one. We ought to be encouraged by that. We also ought to diligently help other, others so that they will lack nothing on their journey. We planted as an affiliate of the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches, the FEC, and we're currently one of 10 FEC church plant initiatives across the country. The FEC also supports various missionary efforts from Bible translation to church planting to discipleship uh, aspects on every continent in the world except for Antarctica because no... no Nobody in their right mind lives down there. And penguins don't need Jesus. So, we not only have the joy of receiving support as an initiative, but we also have the joy of supporting other initiatives as the Lord allows. And so, even as we're being supplied, we can still prayerfully consider how God wants us to supply others so that they too will lack nothing 
and the gospel can continue to spread. And so if you want to know more about those different initiatives through the FEC, you can check out fecministries.org. That's their website. We're on there as an initiative, fecministries.org. And if you're not familiar with that organization, that'll give you a little bit more background into uh, who we're affiliated with as a church plant here. But I also want to encourage you to go to that event at the Salem Church over in Flanagan on July 18th and hear from the FEC missionaries working in the Basque region of Spain. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Now, the opportunity to diligently help Zenos and Apollos on their journey was a pressing need. It was right there in their face. It was a good work that the churches in, on, on Crete could devote themselves to doing right then and there. When we think about the opportunities for gospel ministry all over the world, it can quickly get overwhelming, can it not? I don't know how many mailers you get for different things, but it's difficult to narrow down our focus on, on who do we support? How? How do we support them? In what ways? For how long? And so it can be helpful for us to just follow God's word here and consider the pressing needs that are right here around us. Now, that's not to say that we should ignore global gospel efforts. We shouldn't. We still ought to prayerfully consider how we can support the spread of the gospel throughout the world and, and take the necessary steps to participate in those ways. But it also tends to be easier to see the pressing needs that are close to us, Right? And we can often devote ourselves to good works for those needs in multiple ways, simply because of our proximity to them. It's easier to take somebody a meal that lives behind you than somebody that lives in Spain. One of the most pressing needs around us here in central Illinois is for gospel-centered churches to be planted in rural towns. It's easy to think of bigger cities as strategic places to plant because there are more people there. It's easy to assume that those cities will draw in people from outlying areas. That's not a bad strategy, but it's not the only strategy. Let's just think for a minute about the island of Crete where Titus is. It's 160 miles long and it's 35 miles wide at its widest point. It's an island in the Mediterranean Sea about 100 miles off coast, it would be easy to go there, find the two largest cities maybe on either end of the island, plant a church there, and, and then draw people in just from everywhere else on the island, tell, tell them to come there. But it's clear from Paul's letter that there are churches all over the island. You need to appoint elders in every church. He didn't say both churches. He didn't say in the one church. He said in every church, all over that island, there's something to be said about going out to the marginalized and overlooked places because people need Jesus in those places just as much as they do in bigger cities. You know what one of the, the, um, the biggest factors we ought to consider in planting a church somewhere? Are there people that need Jesus there? We shouldn't assume that an unbeliever 
in a rural town is going to travel to a large city to hear the gospel. But we should assume, because it's biblical, that there are believers that are willing to take the gospel to those people in rural places to stay there, to start churches that, that preach Jesus and minister to those people for a long time because that lines up with the Great Commission just as much as it does to send out missionaries to unreached places all over the world. One of my favorite things uh, about the story of Redeemer is um, Luke Holderby. It's a quote from him. And he was considering all of the missionary work that needed to be done out in the world. And God kept turning his heart 12 miles north, saying, why, why not there? Why not there? People need Jesus there too. Sometime back in, in 2016-ish, a group of area pastors began to meet together uh, once every four to six weeks or so to start praying and, and to think about how the Lord might want them to partner together to plant gospel-centered churches in rural areas throughout central Illinois. And since they began meeting and praying, the Lord's given them opportunities to do it. They've partnered together uh, to plant a church in Shanoa. Uh, they've also pulled in Dan Mays, who's the lead pastor at uh, Flanagan Community Church. That's an FEC initiative. And yet this group has pulled him in and, and encouraged him and provided resources for him. Most recently, they've partnered together uh, to plant Redeemer here in Minunk. And now I have the joy of going to those meetings alongside these brothers in the Lord and praying together with those pastors to see what God wants next. And how he wants us to focus. And, and in the last couple meetings, we've, we've, we've been really excited because um, something is brewing. We're, we're in November, we're partnering with the Acts 29 Network to put on a one-day mini-conference focused on planting churches in small rural towns. I love this because Acts 29, if you know anything about Acts 29, it's, it's a large church planting network but they're really growing a heart for, for rural church plants. And they're coming to Eureka. It's going to be hosted at Cross Point. We're still finalizing the details, but it, it looks like at this point it's going to be on Saturday, November 13th, and so I'd encourage you to save the date, and we'll get more details as they come, but even if you plan to stay here at Redeemer for the rest of your life, okay, this conference will be beneficial, not because it's a conference and, you know, conferences are awesome and whatever, but because it'll help us all gain a clearer picture for the need for the gospel in small towns and, a, and gain a bigger vision. And, and we understand that to some degree, right? Because we're here. But we can help others gain a bigger vision for how they can participate. We can gain a bigger vision for how we can participate in rural church multiplication, even as a church plant. And I love the thought of that. Let's look at this last verse. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. Listen to all the pluralities here, okay, in, in, in this verse. All those who are with me, those who love us, all of you. These phrases show the unity and the community between believers as one gospel family across multiple gospel churches. 
Titus isn't above. He's not apart from the churches on Crete. He's united to them through faith, even though he's not going to be there permanently. And even though Paul is no longer on the island, he speaks of the believers there as his brothers and sisters in Christ, those who love us in the faith. And even though the letter is addressed specifically to Titus, it seems here at the end that Paul may have expected Titus to read it out loud to his family of faith in the churches all over the island. He doesn't end the letter by saying, grace be to you, Titus. He says, grace be with all of you. With all of you. It's plural. Paul mentions three major things in verse 15 that define God's church. They're not the only things, but they're huge hugely important things. Faith, love, and grace. Faith is gospel belief. Love is gospel behavior. And grace is gospel fuel so that we can do those first two things. Paul finishes the letter in the same way he started, pointing to the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness powered by the transforming grace of Jesus Christ. It's not just individual godliness, although that's a part of it, but godly people united in love as Christ's gospel-filled body, devoting themselves together to do good works, gospel works, godly works, inside the church, outside the church, and together with other churches. You know what I love about the Central Illinois Church Planting Network, that group of area pastors that continue to gather and pray about how we might partner together to plant churches in rural places? We're able to do more gospel work together than any one of us could do alone. Could you imagine if we were here uh, by ourselves and, and we longed to plant somewhere else? And we're being supplied by all these churches and yet, it's so much easier for us to join in to a group effort than to try to start something on our own. I also love that none of those churches is in it to make a name for themselves or for the network. The only reason the network actually has a name is because somebody is like, you know, we should probably just call this something that's shorter than the pastors that gather at Cross Point. Although I think that might be shorter than the Central Illinois Church Planting Network, but tomato, tomato, right? I love it, though, because these churches come. They come from all over the area. Hardly any of them are officially affiliated with one another. And, and in fact, the network itself really isn't a, an official network. Again, it's just a name somebody came up with. So we could put it on our calendars. These are churches that differ in size, they differ in location, they differ even in methodology, but we all share the same gospel and are dependent upon the same grace. They're churches that love one another in the faith and are devoted to doing good works together for God's glory, and the network continues to expand even now as more churches, new churches get involved in this collaborative gospel mission. This is an exciting thing. As churches shaped by the gospel and dependent upon God's grace, we share in the gospel work together. Just as an individual body full of individual believers, dependent upon God's grace and shaped by the gospel, we share here 
in the gospel work together. And as we each minister to the local family of believers and to the unbelievers in the communities where God has placed us, we also work together to take the gospel to spiritually dry and unreached places around us by planting more churches that can minister to the local family of believers and to the unbelievers in those communities. And we do it in complete dependence upon God's transforming grace granted to us in Christ and applied to us through his Holy Spirit. Make every effort. Diligently help. Devote yourselves. These are the phrases that Paul concludes the letter with. This is language that communicates an eagerness to partner together in the gospel. Redeemer was planted because a group of churches were more eager to partner together in the gospel than they were to keep the gospel to themselves. They were passionate about the purity of the gospel. We had conversations about that to make sure everybody was on the same page. But that propelled them to work together to spread the pure gospel to others. And they remained passionate about continuing that work together and also expanding that work alongside other gospel-minded churches. Imagine the impact the gospel can have on small towns all over central Illinois if people saw churches empowered by grace partnering together in the love and the unity of the pure gospel to plant churches that display the love and the unity of the pure gospel. You know what we would have? Less and less hotbeds of ugliness and more and more hotbeds of grace. We must not be willing, we must not be willing to compromise the gospel in any way for the sake of partnership, but we must be willing to display it in every way that the Lord enables us to do so. Is there a better demonstration of the gospel than to see a diverse group of churches centered on Christ, dependent upon his grace, uh, united in his spirit, partnering together to multiply more churches that are centered on Christ, dependent upon his grace, and united in his spirit? Redeemer Community Church is a result of that kind of multiplication, and we need, we ought to want to, but we need to participate in that kind of multiplication. So let's be careful to devote ourselves to good works for pressing needs so that we will not be unfruitful. Let's make every effort to share in this ministry with others because it'll outlast any of us on our own and it'll strengthen our love for each other. Let's diligently help those whom God sends to new places to plant gospel churches so that they will lack nothing on their journey. Let's joyfully greet and partner together with those who love us in the faith. And let's always, always, always remember and depend on God's abundant grace that makes all of these things possible. Let's practice what we proclaim and demonstrate what God's word reveals. Let's be a church that's known more for our eagerness to partner together in the gospel with others than we are to keep it to ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives us instructions to live godly lives, to deny godlessness and worldly lusts while we wait 
with sure hope for the return of our Redeemer. We thank you that you've given us your spirit to open our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears to hear and understand and receive and obey your word. We pray that you would help us to grow more and more in obedience through the good works that you've prepared for us to do. Not because we need to pay you back, not because you've left something undone that we need to finish, but because Christ has paid our ransom and he has finished it. And we can live freely in the love and joy relationship with our Father and obey you freely because of all that Christ has done. Lord, help us to be a church that multiplies the gospel with other churches. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.